This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we are talking about financial tips by the decades. Now, I don't mean the decades like the 20s and 30s and 40s of uh, the 1920s and 30s and 40s. I mean by our ages. So tips for people who are in their 20s, tips for people who are in their 30s and 40s and on up. So this is going to be a really fun show. Today I have with me Amy McFarland. Good morning, Mary. Hi, Amy. How are you this morning? I'm great. How are you? Fabulous. And I want to just say to some of our listeners, because I did this at first when I was glancing through what you were going to talk about, I thought you meant by the decades, like the 1920s, the 1930s, not in our twenties, not in our thirties, not in our forties. That this makes no sense. We did learn some things from those different yes, decades, we did. for sure. But what we want to be thinking about is what kind of wisdom and value can we bring to our listeners who are out there soaking up all this good financial information and uh, give you some things to think about, no matter what age you are. So let's um, let me start by saying this: this is not intended to be like all of the tips that somebody at this age group should know because there's always going to be some things that for sure you want to be paying attention to, right? Like everybody should have an emergency fund. That's a given. You should always be thinking about balancing saving for tomorrow and for retirement with spending today and things like that. So those are like the basic foundation of financial principles. But these are some extra things that we wanted to share with listeners that really kind of dig into um, helping you solidify that foundation no matter what age you are. Okay. So let's talk about those 20s. All righty. <laughs> All right. Fire away. I can tell you that when I was in my 20s, especially my early 20s, I was a mess financially. <laughs> and I think that a lot of people have oh, been in that situation, yes, yeah. right? I look at my children now yes. and think, oh my goodness, was that what I was like? <laughs> I, I like to say uh, to our kids in their 20s, you need to exchange your crystal ball for a new one because <laughs> it's not showing you the future of these actions that you are taking currently. I like that. Yeah. Okay, so here's a here's the the best thing that I can tell somebody who's in their 20s. And and here's the thing, listeners, if you know and love somebody that's in their 20s, this is a really good tip to pass along to them. But one of the best things that someone young like that can do is to establish a positive credit history for themselves. There are so many kids that come out of college or um, even if they don't go to college, they get into some credit card trouble earlier in life Mm -hmm. and they bust their credit up and then they can spend years trying to rebuild that. That's correct. So matter of fact, I know that when I was young, when I was in my early 20s, um, you know, I was struggling financially and um, certainly hadn't learned anything about wealth management yet. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember taking cash deposits off of my credit card to pay another credit card bill. Yep. And that is a vicious cycle that is a bad, bad place to be. I can remember going to the bank to do that on a credit card, and the lady even said, oh, hon, are you sure you want to do this? (laughs) Bless her heart. (laughs) So when you're in your 20s and you're trying to establish a positive credit history, you definitely want to have at least one credit card. You want to use it often, and you want to pay it off entirely every month. 
Now, one of the things that people don't necessarily know about credit cards is that it's best not to charge over 30% of your available balance. So if you have a $1,000 limit on a credit card, don't charge more than about $300 on it because the minute you do, then the credit card companies are saying, hey, apparently you need this open credit that you have. Yes. And... That's a ding against you. But if you keep it under that 30% limit and you pay it off every month, you really can do big strides in establishing positive credit history for yourself. Sure. That all makes sense. So that is um, the number one tip for people in their 20s. A second tip for people in their 20s are to establish your savings patterns. Oh, Yeah. So this is the first time you're out there on your own. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you you kind of are establishing yourself. You're establishing an identity. You might be establishing a career. And this is the time to establish those saving patterns, too. Yes. So get involved in your 401k at work if you have one available. And if you don't, then start some disciplined savings yourself into something that can help you later in life. Yes. And. It's also about remembering to forget that that money is there. Just forget about it. (laughs) I like it. I like it. It's not a checking account. (laughs) All right. So let's move on to people in their 30s, the decades or 30s. So by this time, a lot of people have gotten established in a career or maybe they've had multiple jobs and now they've kind of picked something that they feel like they really like. You might be ready to purchase a home or you might be in the you know middle of financing a wedding or something like this. But the best tip I can give to somebody that's in their 30s is you've lived long enough to have some stuff happen. And it's a good time in your 30s to really review what your current debt load is and where your credit levels are at. Okay. okay, so in your 20s, establish that credit, but take some time in your 30s to really review that and understand where it's at. Because if your debt load is too high, this can be problematic going forward and that will impact your credit. Sure. And so if you've overextended yourself, this is a good time to really kind of reevaluate that. Okay. Um, the second thing is to really evaluate how much you can afford to spend every month. And it's kind of funny because, you know, we see people in their 20s who do a good job establishing that savings. And then you start having kids. Mm -hmm. And by God, they're expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Well into other decades. (laughs) (laughs) They're expensive for a long time. And, you know, we people in their 30s are doing things like raising their kids. They're purchasing homes. They're, you know, upgrading their homes. If your kids are getting older, you're buying vehicles for kids and things like that. You're saving for college. So this decade of the 30s is really a decade where there's a lot of outflow of money for people. And so this is when people who have been doing a good job financially sometimes start to get into trouble because they're overextending. That's so true. That's so true. I can remember we moved um, from Des Moines to the Chicago area and in, when we were in our 30s, and the price of homes were so much higher. Oh, I bet. And the creative financing to find <laughs> a home that was way less than what we had in Des Moines and three times as much, and to do that financing, and we fell into that same thing where we were house poor. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think about back to the, you know, the things that I was doing in my 30s. Now, I already owned a financial planning firm by the time I was 30. So that maybe is a little bit different because I was involved in money and thinking about this all the time. But, you know, in my 30s, I bought a house Mm -hmm. and um, I set it up on a 15-year mortgage because I could see what a difference it would make between a 30-year mortgage and a 15-year mortgage and how much less interest I would pay over the life of the loan. Now, that did mean that the payments were higher, and -hmm. it meant that the commitment was bigger. And I had to look at things and say, okay, can I I definitely make sure I can do this? And then I did it. So it's really a nice position to be in to know that, you know, in your 30s, if you can set yourself up to have your house paid off before you're 50, Mm -hmm. that's a really good feeling. Oh, that's a good goal. That's an aggressive goal. It is. But it's doable for people. Okay. And it also, I hear... Uh, making one extra mortgage payment a year can on the principal can really help cut a yep. 30-year mortgage down. Yep. Yeah. And so for some people who are debating between that 15 or 30-year mortgage, you know, the 15-year the kind of pushes you and locks you into it, and you frequently will get a better interest rate, you know, by doing that. But the other thing is if you are uncomfortable locking yourself into that 15-year mortgage, you can effectively create a 15-year yes. mortgage for yourself just by making extra payments. Mm-hmm. It's not a have to. It's a can do. And so you can kind of create that environment for yourself without getting yourself locked into it. That's such a smart idea. Yeah. More so, than one way to skin a cat. There definitely <laughs> is. <laughs> All right. So that covers the 30s. And let's talk about people in their 40s. Okay. okay. This is my favorite decade, the fabulous <laughs> 40s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you might be advancing in your career, you know, yep. hopefully by then in your 40s. Absolutely. And here's where people really start to think about the upgrades, right? When you're 40s, people are buying the bigger houses, people tend to be buying the nicer cars, and they're usually doing this because things are going well. Sure. Right? So the advice in your 40s, first of all, is to be a little bit careful with the upgrades. Upgrade when your financial footing is solid, but it can be a slippery slope if you upgrade too much or too fast and you get in over your head. Yes. And that's sometimes what we see happen. And, you know, frankly, I just have to add this in. A lot of times what I see in people I know in their 40s, that's when marriages are splitting up and there's these things you're not Mm -hmm. anticipating. Divorce is very expensive sometimes to your credit (laughs) score, you know, to your equity. So it's something to think about as well and hopefully doesn't happen, but um, it is a slippery slope, Mary. Right. And and the thing about it is when you upgrade, a lot of people spend their emergency savings Mm -hmm. when they do these upgrades and they think, oh, I'll just rebuild that up, Uh which, okay, that's fine. But then you have to put a plan in place to rebuild that emergency savings. Yes. So that's a second tip for people in their 40s. If you're using your emergency savings for things that aren't really emergencies, it's more for upgrades in your life, then it is going to be very important to focus on really building that back up again. So, all right. Now, people in their 40s, this is also the time in life when your parents, if they're still alive, might start to be moving into something where you're starting to help them. Mm -hmm. And I just want to announce that we have a fabulous seminar coming up on February the 28th. It's called Assisting Your Aging Parents. So if you are moving into the phase in life where you're going to have to help become a financial caregiver Mm -hmm. or a healthcare caregiver for your family or your parents, you're going to want to come listen to this. This has some great information to help the people in your life that you care about. 
Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about financial tips by the decades, whatever decade of life you're in. <laughs> so we've covered the 30s and the four, or the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. And now we're going to talk about those fun 50s. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm all ears, Mary. There you go. All right. So if you're in your 50s, then the best tip that I can give you is review your retirement savings plan. You are within probably 10 to 15 years of pulling that retirement trigger. And if you have been like most people, you've either procrastinated or not paid a lot of attention to what you have saved for retirement or how it's all going to work together to help take care of you during retirement. So this is the ideal time to look at the debt that you have, try to figure out how to pay that off before you retire if possible, and um, take stock of where you're at in relationship to retirement. So I think that's a good tip for anybody out there in their 50s. Okay. Are you thinking about that, Amy? Yes, I am, Mary. (laughs) In fact, I talked to you about it. (laughs) We do not want Amy to retire. Let me just put that out there. We love having her on our team. But at some point, you know, that's going to happen. So this is the time to be thinking about it. Yes, and in your 50s, I think you're so busy, um, you know, thinking, you know, you're saving. But it is a great time to look back at what you have accomplished as well. And and think of the positives and... and what still needs to be done. Right, because everything that you've built so far in your life when you're in your 50s is basically the foundation for the rest of your life financially. Yes. So build upon the strengths that you have and then take this time to take stock and then figure out how to tweak things to make it even better for the future. Yes, because you're still, you're probably at your peak of your earning potential. I mean, I, I always, my comment about my 50s is it's the first time I looked at wherever I was employed and said, gosh, there's a lot of people younger than me here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's the thing is when you're when you're taking stock of this, this is a good time to talk to a financial planner. Now, we often give away something on each of their shows, but we're not going to do a specific giveaway today. What I want to give away is the opportunity to come talk to us. Yes. And, you know, if you've been thinking about having your investments reviewed or if you've been thinking about um, doing some financial planning, then let this be the trigger for you to take action. Yes. You know, this is a a good month of the year to kind of start thinking about getting your ducks in a row and um, don't procrastinate on this. This is the time to act. And, you know, a value assessment is the perfect word for it. And it's empowering to Take a look at everything. Take the blindfold off and say, all right, what do we got? <laughs> there you go. All right. The second tip for people in their 50s is don't overextend yourself helping others. Ugh. And this is where you might have kids in college or you might have aging parents and you start doling money out to help people. Yes. <laughs> and I think – and this is often called the sandwich generation, right? When you're in your 50s because you're sandwiched by parents that might need help and children that might need help. (laughs) Well, and when you talked about the 20s, you have children in their 20s or 30s and uh, you do want to help them. You want to support them in their business endeavors 
And it is easy to say, oh, let me help you, but possibly you should be spending that money on yourself. Yeah, and, and I'm not advocating not helping. I'm just saying don't overextend yourself. Don't yeah. put yourself in a financial pickle because you've helped somebody else. Yes. So, all right, tips for those who are in their 60s. This is the decade when most people decide to retire. So the tip is before retiring, be sure to figure out how your retirement pool of money is going to translate into income for you. Okay. There is a massive difference between building wealth and growing it versus taking income from that pool of wealth. It's two totally different styles of financial planning. You know, it's very cruel. You spend your whole life learning to leave that money alone, and you yep. get pretty good at it by the time you're in your 60s. And now they say, no, no. Now it's time to remember what you've done. <laughs> yes, it's a big paradigm shift for people to actually spend the money they spent all these years saving. Huge emotional shift. And so um, you have to do the work to figure out how to turn this money into income. That's really okay. important. The other tip for people in their 60s is to spend some time thinking about what the best housing situation for yourself is going to be going forward. So we all want to be independent. We all want to live in our own homes as long as possible. But sometimes your own home might not be the easiest place for you to live. Mm-hmm. For instance, my parents live in a split-level house, oh, and my dad has really bad knees and a bad heart. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good combination to be going up and down the stairs every time that you need That's to. Correct. So, you know, he um, he doesn't sleep in a bed anymore. He sleeps in a recliner because okay. it's easier for him to get up and out of it. But the recliner is on one floor where there's a bathroom, right? but the kitchen is on a different floor. Okay. And his bedroom where the shower is is on yet a different floor. Yeah, that's that's a challenging um, layout. It is. If you have issues with being mobile. Yes, and there's a lot of people that have yep. house layouts like that. So if you're going to stay in your home, um, this is a time to figure out how do you make sure that you can sleep, eat, shower, and go to the bathroom all on the same floor. Because as you age, the bottom line is that's going to be necessary. Yes. At some point, stairs will become unmaneuverable or you'll have to retrofit your house to figure out how you can get up and down those stairs without using just your legs (laughs) right yes i've noticed these companies where they have the the chair that you can sit and go Mm -hmm. the lift those are becoming very big as baby boomers yes uh, move into that decade they sure are yeah and i'm pretty sure my dad's gonna want one of those because my mom says we are not leaving this house this is where i raised my children oh (laughs) like all right then time for a lift chair (laughs) wish you would have told me that 10 years ago i would have taken better care of myself Woulda, coulda, shoulda. But, okay, so the housing options, you you do have to spend some time thinking about it. And whether you think about, you know, relocating to a retirement community or becoming a snowbird or just moving somewhere where it's warmer or simply um, retrofitting your house, Mm -hmm. in your 60s, you do want to give some time and thought to what those living conditions Mm -hmm. are going to be like. Yes, absolutely. All right, that brings us to our 70s. And the 70s is the last decade that we're going to talk about because we're going to run out of time on our yeah. show. <laughs> but here's, In more ways than one. <laughs> here is what we have to say for people listening um, that are in their 70s. The 70s are the time to start thinking about your legacy. So do you have your ducks in a row of the impact that you want to leave on the world 
financially and from a values-driven standpoint. Yes. You know, so take this time to make sure your beneficiaries are listed the way that you want to. Make sure your will is in place or you have a trust in place and that it does accomplish what you want to accomplish. So in the 70s, review your legacy plans. Mm -hmm. Now, some people want to make an impact on the world financially for their family. Mm -hmm. Some people want to make an impact charitably. Some people say, I don't want to make any kind of financial impact. I want to spend my last dollar the day I die. (laughs) Whatever your deal is, that's fine. But just make sure you're paying attention to it and you line it up the way you want it. And I would like to add to that from my standpoint, the communication factor, communicating this to those that are close to you. Yes, I think that's a big deal, which is our second tip for the people in their 70s. Help your kids help you. Okay, that's a big one. Help your kids help you. And what I mean by that is, you know, people, especially as they get older, tend to be very private about their financial affairs. Mm -hmm. And legitimately so. I completely understand that. And you don't really want necessarily to tell your kids, hey, here's everything I have. Um, But set your kids up to be able to help you handle things if you become unable to handle it yourself or if you pass away. Yes. It's very difficult to try to get your hands wrapped around someone else's financial situation. Most people don't even have their own financial situation yeah. <laughs> figured out, much less trying to figure out somebody else's. Right. So if you can take some steps to help your kids help you, and what I mean by that is gather your information together. Have a centralized location where you keep things. Fill out these different books, like the things that we have, like Mm -hmm. beneficiary guides. Here's where I have all my bank accounts. Here's where I have life insurance policies. Here's who my investment person is. Help your kids help you when you're going to need that help by gathering that information together and letting somebody know where to find it. Yes. You don't have to tell them everything you have. You have to tell them how to find everything you have. <laughs> and Mary, I'm sure you have instances with clients where you're meeting their children under that oh, yeah. mm-hmm. umbrella. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I have instances where I'm meeting spouses under that umbrella oh, where sure. one person took care of everything and now the spouse is taking care of it all and they have no idea where to even begin to look. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, and, and that leads us right back to our seminar about assisting aging parents. If you are the aging parent, send your kids to this because they're the ones that are going to be helping you sooner rather than later. And um, yes. we would love to have you and your children join us for this seminar coming up on February 28th. Yes, and I believe it's going to be at Holy Spirit Retirement. Yes, it is. So um, thank you for listening. We hope these tips by the decades have been helpful, and we'll talk to you next week. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.